1: Let us know what you think so you can help us out and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans.
2: All right, everybody. It's the Working Fan Podcast with the man they call Dave and AJ Strange Brew. Today, it's Dave versus AJ. Uh, It's going to be a little different. Sort of. So we had this concept. I came up with the idea of the Von Ericks versus the Hearts. Who was the best wrestling family? In fairness, most of the Von Ericks were dead before any of the Hearts were famous. And Scott, loyal listener, had pointed out some of that stuff and said, is it really a fair comparison when you break it down?
1: Well, you're also comparing one cable station in the 1980s to a worldwide phenomenon of the WWE Mm -hmm. in the 1990s and 2000s and beyond.
2: Yes, and Zach also said that, too. He brought up the exposure and stuff you talk about. So to get those two guys who gave me the most input this week and I'm not going to go into detail and read it like I normally would because we're recording this video. We don't know if we'll make it, but we'll see. We're going to find out. So I'm not able to look at my notes, but they gave me the basically the most input was Zach St. John and Scott from Voluntown. And that's the thing we came up with was like, you know, we know, we love both these guys. Both these families. Absolutely. There's a lot of there's a lot of tragedy. We, and there's some we, members of this family who might not like. We're gonna we, talk about we that. We
1: really love the Von Ericks. Uh-huh. We do. Okay. Thank <laughs> you for that interview, Ross and Mar- yeah. Ross and
2: Marshall. Yes, those guys are great. Still
1: waiting to hear from you,
2: David. <laughs> Hart
1: Smith. David Hart Smith. Yeah. I wasn't making a sick joke there.
2: No. Heaven needed a chair. I don't start, I get choked up still hearing that. So we decided to make this a discussion because it was like something like ten votes for the Hearts and maybe one or two for the Von Erichs. In fact, and one guy fucking had the nerve to say the Von Erichs, but only because of Lance. How? No. Kiss my ass! <laughs> First of all,
1: everybody knows Lance not really a real Von Erich, and no. that that was not the best years of the Von Erichs.
2: Was that around the same time that Fritz faked that heart attack?
1: No, Fritz, uh, Fritz faked the heart attack
2: before he did before that. Yeah. 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 So. Who was more likely to win Parent of the Year, well, I Stu gonna say, or let's, Fritz?
1: I was going to say, let's start off with the parents.
2: Let's start. Right. Nothing wrong with Helen. She's the yeah. towel in. She's a good woman. <laughs>
1: Both of them had their own organizations, obviously. You have Stampede. Yeah. Now, this is something we can do.
2: Yeah. Stampede versus World Class. Now, that's Interesting. We, obviously, back in the cable, or got World Class a little more because they they had the ESPN deal.
1: World Class was on ESPN, and they Mm. were one of the first ones to use music, to really use cameras around the ring. so you could get different (laughs) angles. Innovative. Stampede was your old-fashioned, almost like wrestling from Mm. the Garden, where they used the one hard cam. And while they had good wrestling there, I don't think Saskatchewan, Canada, which has a much lower population... And reading and being in that television market yeah. compares anywhere near to the global outreach
2: that. And we did learn years later that uh, World Class was huge in Israel. They had Absolutely. a deal there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
1: Now, I like to pitch Fritz spinning a dreidel. Still, still actually trained Fritz. He did. Yeah. And both of them were tremendous amateur athletes. Fritz being mm-hmm. a football player who then um, went into wrestling. Mm-hmm. He, oddly enough, wrestled as a Nazi sympathizer yes. early in his career, which is incredible how popular
2: they've become in Israel. Sure, sure, At sure. that
1: start. However... It was um, mostly
2: the Von Erich boys at that time that got over. Well,
1: I was going to say, his real name is Atkinson. Sure. And he was not even German, much less no. a Nazi um, sympathizer. Whereas Fritz basically was always your... Very similar Stu. to, I'm sorry, Stu was very yeah. similar to Vern in the sense that he was that all-American wrestler, yes. or sorry, all-Canadian wrestler, and... No nonsense. He, no nonsense, like the legitimacy of the sport Yeah, reminds me a lot of Cowboy Bill Watts sure, or the Vern Gagnes of wrestling.
2: Yeah, and the thing with uh, Stu, the only thing I would say negative about Stu is... He did, and AJ probably wouldn't find a negative, had a perverse love of stretching people <laughs> making them tap out. I don't,
1: I don't understand why that's a negative. <laughs> Everybody needs a stretching.
2: Yes. <laughs> of course, these both of these families had tragedies. Both have had more than their share of tragedies. Yeah. I mean, now,
1: that's... how much is that due to family pressure? How much of that is due to the lifestyle of being on the road as a professional wrestler?
2: Well, clearly with the Von Erics a lot of it was. Yeah, I mean, well... I'm not... But the biggest tragedy with the Hart family had nothing to do with that. Yeah. By all intents and purposes, everything we ever heard about Owen was that he was a role model for a member of the pro wrestling family. And Owen died because...
1: no, wait a minute. Faulty well, equipment. Yeah, but still at the hands of wrestling.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm it's good.
1: still a tragedy because of wrestling. Now, it is. Very much so. Jim, Jim Nightheart, obviously, we have a history of drugs and being released from the WWE because of yeah. drugs. Yeah. Now, by all accounts, later in life, he had cleaned up his life and mm-hmm. died tragically because of uh, just wear and tear on the body at that point. Yeah, Davy Boy Smith, uh, allegedly, was also known to... Party. Partake and party, and when you die before the age of 40, yeah, and you're in that kind of shape, yeah. typically your heart doesn't give out without some kind of substance causing it to. Yeah,
2: and then, I mean... Obviously, the same things can be said, like, with Carrie, and then... Uh, well, uh, Carrie
1: got yeah. caught with the drugs. He was on trial for drugs. Yeah.
2: and then committed, uh, well, sui- committed, he committed suicide. He by yeah. shooting
1: himself in the stomach. Which, by the way, is there a more painful way to kill yourself Ugh. than to shoot yourself in the stomach and then just lay there and
2: die? No. So, so who was... I, actually, I know you know the answer to this. Your favorite Von Eric was Kevin.
1: My favorite's Kevin.
2: Your favorite heart uh, was Owen. Also old.
1: lasted the longest. My favorite heart... Other than Bruce?
2: <laughs> oh <my. laughs> fuck out of here. We don't give a fuck about that jobber Bruce Hart. <laughs> we learned later uh, was really a con man. You respected Brett. Teddy. Ugh, fuck out of here. With Ted. no, Teddy uh, had a lot of
1: talent. No, he did. And yeah. he still does. Still does. And he still can't get out of his own fucking way. Yeah. Pardon the French. Yeah. But Owen, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was I know great. you're a Brett guy. I know that. I am, but... It doesn't mean you don't I love and appreciate
2: yeah. Owen. Owen... Could do no wrong. Actually, uh, Zach sent me a text a while back talking about how we should have had Owen in our, our top heels. He was an underrated heel. Absolutely. He was a great. Heel. He and it's, it's true. I never didn't like Owen, and well, Owen was the first time when Owen became a heel. I was happy for him because I knew he was going to get a push. And it's found.
1: hard for us to actually debate him as a heel, yeah, because we're two of the people who liked him constantly. Constantly, the, a lot of the people that you'll hear talk about him beloved now. Yeah booed against him when he
2: was actually the heel and it was actually in Brett's book that jobber Bruce we find out he talks about who tried to get Owen's push and come back as the heel and Bruce had him wrestle for years and and Brett said no we'll do this angle but it'll be with Owen well we me and Dave have
1: been friends for a long time and we were friends Wrestlemania 10 when Brett wrestled Owen Yeah, and as you know Unlike yourself Yes I cheered for Owen
2: Yes I wasn't as upset At the time I really liked Owen What I remember Being worried about I was worried that Brett because Not many people His size were still Holding belts at that time yeah. I thought Brett Might get squashed By Yoko later And When and Brett that, won the belt I was super excited Because now I know We're going to get Brett versus Owen
1: And I knew I And this was before I trained to wrestle So yeah. this is Before I had Inside baseball but I knew when oh, when Brett lost earlier in the night, just from being a wrestling fan for so long, I knew something good had to happen at the end of the night for him. It made sense.
2: Yeah. I absolutely. was more emotionally invested at that
1: point. Which I had no emotional investment. No, 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 no. I was actually cheering for Lex Luger.
2: <laughs> <laughs> over. Which well, you like Luger, although we both know back at that time, by the time Luger got to WF. He you was know, not as good. As I a, didn't
1: cheer for Luger because I was a big Luger fan. Mm. I cheered for Luger because the idea of the guy from NWA, WCW, mm. going over in the WWF that that, yeah. meant that much <laughs> I, yeah, to I me. I was
2: happy for you. Although yeah. oh, no, I think you were happy that Perfect came back as the referee. I was. Yeah, I know I was too. <laughs> yeah,
1: but I'm. A, but as we've talked about before, I still believe Perfect was better than Brett.
2: <laughs> Those are on, uh, that might be... No, it's that's it's a, yeah. We just
1: You can check out that debate, and if you agree with Dave, whatever.
2: <laughs> the really the thing is with the Von Eric boys, though, is we don't know how good David could have been. You know, David, by all intents and purposes, like Zach and Scott were talking about this too, he could have been the world heavyweight champion, and that could have changed his ball game. Around. Well,
1: now wait a minute. It's not just by hearsay, right? Almost everybody around in that time period, yeah. including Ric Flair, who had the belt, yes. and Harley Race, Harley too. Right. both have said that David would have gotten a push mm-hmm. probably before Flair had gotten another push. Yeah, And the reason why was because that's how good mm-hmm. World Class Wrestling had started doing with their TV shows and because of the ability. What a lot of people didn't see from David Von Erich was he had been the babyface, obviously, in the Dallas Territory. When he went to Florida and wrestled against Dusty Rhodes, yeah. wrestled throughout Florida. You're reading my mind. He actually wrestled as a heel. He did, yes. And actually did an outstanding job right. as a heel. Yeah. And he showed that he can work both ways.
2: Which was Which busy. is
1: important going through territory to territory.
2: And one of the reasons why I think a lot of people might have gave the nod to the Hart well, family.
1: By the way, David, another thing working in his cap, six foot seven.
2: Right. Yes. <laughs> and his thing and could move too. So now, he could
1: have even worked up north.
2: Now, the thing I would say the hearts had going for them is because you're right. David had that small run as a heel. Yeah. But Kevin and Kerry, not so much. Whereas Brett and Owen showed they both could be heels. We'll We'll say this about Brett. Whether you like Brett or not, I think we both agree. Brett's hottest and best run was that anti-American... Championship wrestling. Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) That anti-America... We love you in Canada yeah. still run. Which, at that point, WWE hadn't quite turned to Tide ratings-wise, but creatively... I don't think the WWE pulled the trigger enough on that. They are about ready to start an international war. People was, were getting hot
1: back there. Well, even look at <laughs> after the after the freaking Survivor Series, after you had the Screwjacks yes. in
2: Montreal...
1: You would go to Montreal after that in Canadian provinces. Years after. For years. Yes. And you couldn't get a baby face in the WWE cheered for. They yeah. would automatically go for whoever the heels were at that time period. Yes. Because they were that anti-anything the WWE was going to... For,
2: forget about Shawn Michaels. Oh, God. Who was beloved everywhere else. Shawn Michaels still gets booed in Montreal. <laughs> still once in a while. <laughs> forget about the Hebners. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. But... I think their heel work, the hearts, and their ability to be heels and face, and the national exposure they would get years later, you, really was what gave them the nod. Now,
1: both families obviously have had trouble with the pressures, and we mm. talked about some of the people trying to live up to it, and some of the darker sides, obviously the drugs, Sure. When you're that young and um everything's pushed upon you and all of a sudden you're a superstar not only on TV but in if, the
2: if you keep that with the brothers, that was a bigger issue with the Von Erichs. When you start going to the extended family of the hearts, and maybe the it, other brother we don't much know, much that's back. when it gets a little dicey.
1: Now yeah. with the now for the Von Erics, what people don't realize is not only were they huge on that platform. Mm but they were literally mobbed every time they went to the ring. Sure. If you watch that old footage, it's great. Their ring jackets are torn off them. Kevin Von
2: Erich, I think is making out at one yeah, point or it so out the, uh, It was a wild time. Terry Gordy, as we know, knocked down a fan on his ass <laughs> at yeah,
1: one point. And, yeah. the, and then and they were going against guys where there was legitimate heat. Gino Hernandez. The Freebirds. The Freebirds. When they thought that the Von Erichs were legitimately injured, even when Fritz did that horrible heart attack, yeah. angle that you talked about earlier people genuinely were worried you're talking sure. about people wanting to go to the hospital and make sure fritz is all right oh my god the patriarch of the of Fr- the von erich family could die on us here and we all saw it not to mention if you remember that attendance for that event yeah was through <clears throat> the roof you're talking about dallas stadium being packed to the gills
2: drew a lot of money <clears throat> in a different time period and we talk about believability in that Texas area. And this is and not with Devon Harris. But Gino Hernandez, who died, people were calling the police and telling them to look into Chris Adams. Who yes. Because he, he had blinded Chris Adams in an angle. you got to check yeah. out this guy.
1: Yeah, look he into something this. something to do with this. <laughs> it's
2: just amazing. Never You didn't have. see
1: something like that again until the um, Rey Mysterio lawn dart in Orlando. <laughs> That's
2: true. When
1: all of a sudden the people watching the telecast in Orlando are calling up the police as if my hand's a phone
2: <laughs> <laughs> but you know one thing with Devon Von Erics, though you do have to say is the potential for that legacy to live on is still very great Ross and Marshall and MLW we don't know what's going to happen with their careers hopefully they seem like they're not going to have the personal tragedies, at least.
1: For some reason, I thought I read about another Von
2: Eric. Not Lance.
1: No, <laughs> no, 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 no. For some reason, I thought that there was another uh, one coming up. There behind.
2: is the son of Lance Von Eric. Rip Von Eric. Yeah,
1: we kid, we kid. No, Ross and Marshall clearly mm-hmm. are have a bright future. They look phenomenal athletes. Take very much after their father. And they did our he show. Was the best Von Eric. They're clearly geniuses when it comes to promotion. Yes, <laughs> doing the Working Fans podcast, they did our show. Yes, but the end whereas of the, day. the hearts clearly not quite as smart. No, not a single one of them has returned a phone call, <laughs> an email, a text
2: message. So, Brett, where are you? So, despite this uh, overwhelming support How for many the hearts, is it? let's count this. Uh, there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven to two and one clown. Eleven to two. Arm. Yeah. So. So, this should be a clear win. However, since the, since the Von Erick's did our show, an upset, the baby! Von Erics
1: win. Ross and Marshall, this is for you You guys. heard it from the Working Fans podcast. The greatest family out of these two, the Von Erics. Von Eric, boys. We'll talk to you down the road. It's a porno visit.
3: Alright working fans, welcome back for another week of the 5-3-1, when we actually hit record. This is where we take our top 5 list on a particular subject to beat it down to a top 3 list. And from that top 3, we pick the number 1. This week, it is the top 5 pay-per-views that change the industry. And this is a list, this is the first time my brother's given me a list first time I've asked him for one so we definitely got to include him more because this is a very interesting subject and the list that he gave me includes Royal Rumble 98, Wrestle Kingdom 11, Over the Edge 99, King of the Ring 98, and Wrestlemania 1. He included Wrestle Kingdom 11 because of the one hour Okada match with Omega. That,
4: uh, Over the Edge 99, was that the one where uh, Owen died?
3: Let me check. Yeah, that that is actually the one where he died.
4: Yeah, crazy story. Uh, Jake St. John, listener of the show, contributor, he had a story about that. So he was in his room, drunk and high as fuck, and that St. John comes in the room, his brother says, uh, Jake, did you uh, hear what happened to Owen? And Jake's trying to fake Zach out, It's like, no, what happened? And uh, Zach's like, well, he's dead. And Jake is like, is he hurt? And Zach's like, yeah. Jake, he's dead. So, anyway, a little story from family time with the St. John's, which <laughs> segues into a friend of the St. John's, Mike Flynn, gave us a list. And on that list is WrestleMania 1, the original. Kind of hard to argue that that isn't probably the most instrumental pay-per-view in all pay-per-views for even just wrestling. Maybe even beyond Fast to the Beach ninety six. Come on, NWO. That is kind of really the main arguably the biggest storyline in wrestling history. All in. Huge pay-per-view that's tone for a lot of the wrestling we're seeing right now. And we might even still not know the historical effects of all that. Takeover one, maybe you won't see this a lot on the list, but I really enjoyed the fact we put TakeOver One on here. And uh, Mania 17, which he said he helped saw it helped introduce a lot of new talent get them over. Rockin' and We're at a peak here. And this is also a very big firing for WWE at the time.
3: It's wild to see how many of those people from that first takeover are with the company now because it's not many. And at the time, that was like their next group of rising stars. Uh,
4: Owen uh, debuted on that, if I remember right. He's in the uh, Powerbomb bomb, Jimmy Zane effort. Mm, that, was that,
3: that is a different takeover. Takeover That's Arrival true. was like... Bo Dallas, okay, and some. I want to say like Tyson Kidd was on that. Sami Zayn. They had
4: Natalia, Natalia was looking strong because Bret and Flair were in the corners. So I remember that. Yep.
3: Yeah, that was right. when NXT was just like really starting to come into its own on the early end of things, and it's only gotten bigger from there.
4: Oh, absolutely.
3: So I'll bring you my list next, just to switch things up again. Number one on my list, I had the When Worlds Collide pay-per-view that popped up a lot on the WCW one. And I think that was just big that a pay-per-view featuring that much Mexican talent got that big in the U.S. I included WrestleMania three because Hogan and Andre... I mean, WrestleMania one's big because that's where the real gamble came from and McMahon putting it all on the line, but Hogan-Andre, you can't get much bigger than that. What the hell? All In was my third pick because of obviously the Bucks being able to strike out on their own and show that they can fill an arena like that. I chose Wrestle Kingdom 9 for my number 4, and I chose that card because that's the, one, the first one that ended up on American Pay-Per-View. Jeff Jarrett basically became a member of the Bullet Club, club to distribute that through Global Force Wrestling somehow to American pay-per-views. So, just the fact that that was at the head of the New Japan resurgence was why I put it on there. And then obviously you got to have Bash at the Beach '96 because obviously I couldn't figure out a fifth one, so I had to steal from somebody's list.
4: <laughs> it's a good one to steal. Probably the biggest WCW pay-per-view of all time. <laughs> All right, so continuing with uh, St. John's, that, much like Mike Flynn has his first two picks are Mania 1 and Back to the Beast 96. Then he has Mania 3, you know, also like you had, a really big one. All In, much like you and Mike had. And then uh, Zach, we went ECW Barely Legal 97, which I believe was ECW's first favorite.
3: Yep, that will definitely pop up on a few lists. Now I've got a list from William Merriweather from the Rockin' Randy's Rock and Wrestling Group. And he had Starcade, gonna assume 83. He had WrestleMania 2, II, WrestleMania 3, sure. Bash at the Beach 96, and Survivor Series 97. Now what's interesting to me is that WrestleMania 2, because one it's obviously the big gamble, three, it's Hogan Andre. Is yeah. to just the fact that they did it again. I mean, that had what the was that the Piper boxing match?
4: Yeah, it was in three locations. It was kind of a failure by a lot of people's uh, standards because it didn't have the same buzz as Mania One, and they struggled with the feed and trying to pull this off in three different locations and stuff. The
3: yeah, they almost tried to outbig themselves with that one. Uh, yeah, who- you had
4: the Piper boxing match with T that was the main event of one of the areas and then the other main event i believe in chicago was battle royal with the wrestlers football players slash wrestlers and then the final main event was in la which was uh hogan and bundy in the cage
3: i mean now that we talk it over, it's not a bad pick, because it is in true Vince McMahon fashion trying to go big. And even though McMahon scaled it back, I almost feel like he was testing how big he could get, and then when that proved to not be the best idea, it's like, well, why don't we just scale it back a little bit?
4: You know, put Vince over, criticize him ever since you fall on. Ain't nobody going to say this motherfucker is afraid to take chances though, huh? like Talk about, like he definitely wanted to go big.
3: Oh yeah, definitely. Who do you got a list from now? Next,
4: our boy Scott, who uh, made third tell it was Starcade '83, Mania One, All In, Very Legal '97, and Bash at the Beach '96. So a lot of familiar lists right there.
3: Yes, sir. Next up, we got Kevin Dignum from Rock and Randy's Rock and Wrestling Group. He has WrestleMania Three, Bash at the Beach '96. WrestleMania 13, Survivor Series 91, and Royal Rumble 92. Now, what would have happened at 13, do you think, that would have made it industry-changing? Because I can't think of that offhand.
4: I don't know about industry-changing, but it did have probably considered one of the best matches in WrestleMania history. One Jim Jim Cornette actually called the best NWA-style match he's ever seen in WWE at WrestleMania 13, and that was Bret Hart, Steve Austin, and the submission match, which is more like a street fight, but and, uh, the, the submission match with Ken Shamrock at the ref. He had to double turn.
3: Okay, the double turn, that's a big one.
4: Yeah.
3: Survivors? That was the main
4: event. The main event was Undertaker beating Sid, which Sid shit have danced. <laughs> um, which, you know, a lot of people have said over there, and should But, you know, but, <laughs> yeah, that's, I think most people recognize that submission match, that's part of that
3: Maybe, would that be, would you think, the start of the Attitude Era or around the start?
4: You could definitely argue that. It wasn't the turn. I mean, the turn was definitely going to be the following year, even slightly after Mania. Uh, you can always argue the next day or week after where Austin McMahon feud really started cooking. But, uh, yeah, they were definitely starting to get edgier at that time, for sure.
3: Yeah. Obviously, Royal Rumble 92, Flair, best Rumble ever.
4: You're not going to find any arguments in me of that. <laughs> I think that is the MVP performance, and I love that rumble.
3: Who do you got next?
4: Well, uh, I got no one except for myself. You want me to uh, read what I got here?
3: Yeah, you're coming a little hot on that mic.
4: Oh, sorry, baby girl. <laughs> That's what I do. Always coming in hot. All right, I got to start off with Mania 3, because, again, Hogan André and Through the House, the biggest gate of all time, as far as I know. And yeah. If it's not the biggest gate of all time, when you take in the time period they had it, it's probably the biggest game of all time. Mania 1, because it's the original. Starcade 83, because you know what? We still have Starcade to the day. Even if it just turned into an show right now, we still have that pay to do. So I think that shows you how influential that was.
3: I should have had Starcade 83. I want to be on the record about that. <laughs>
4: uh, and then I thought it'd be a little different. Uh, well, Back to the Beach 96 my last one, but I was a little different with uh 4. I went with Mania 30 because it was the first WrestleMania that was on the WWE network. And I thought to myself, that's kind of an historic deal. That was the day The Undertaker Street ended, and that was also Daniel Bryan winning the world title to quote about WrestleMania. And it was the first time, you know, we had anything Aaron on the network. So I think that's a pretty huge deal.
3: That is pretty good. Next up, Craig Halleck came at us with the list. And he has the Super J Cup. I'm going to assume 94 on there. Another one I'm mad I didn't include because you got Liger, Benoit, Sa- I believe Sasuke was on that. All the great light heavyweights of the time just going nuts. You got WrestleMania 2 on his list. He has Great American Bash. Not sure which one. Starcade, which, again, I'm going to assume 83, and if we're going to assume the first pay-per-view, if they don't put a year after it, what was the first Great American Bash? Was that a War Games?
4: Oh, man, you know, it's funny, I thought about this today, and I had trouble with that, because the first Great American Bash, I remember, was kind of like a tour, and they were torn, but they did tour with the War Games, as you mentioned it, so, and uh, that was the first one, obviously, where J.J. Dillon got his uh, shoulder separated too. Yep.
3: Yeah. Green American Bash. Even if you look at it as an event, that was one of those. That was probably, would you say, Dusty at his biggest, trying to make this a country music thing with wrestling as a tour. Had Waylon yeah. Jennings on it. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, you know when you think about it, Dusty and Vince had a lot of similarities in certain ways. I was Dusty liked to keep it more on the wrestling aspect, but boy, Dusty could put on a big show and be a big promoter and flamboyant and had big ideas and stuff, didn't it?
3: Yes, he did. Now, Ryan Damon comes at us with the next list. He's got WrestleMania, WrestleMania 3, and then it just says SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, Barely Legal. I'm assuming these aren't his favorite magazines, and I don't know which SummerSlam he's counting.
4: Maybe he just means the original.
3: That's true. I mean, if you want to go Royal Rumble... You go with that first Rumble, that was the first time that Vince counteract some, counteracted something with something free on TV, and then, like yeah. you said, Barely Legal 97 was that first ECW pay-per-view.
4: I love the first World Rumble. As a kid, I still have fond memories of that, because I never knew what we were actually getting. I remember watching it, and I didn't understand the concept, and then I started watching this thing, where people just kept running in and out, and I was like, oh, this is amazing, so yeah. So, no, First World Rumble has five members of it, me, even though
3: it was a TV special, as said. Yep. Next up we got loyal listener to the show, Jesse from New Hampshire. He's got WrestleMania one, <coughs> WrestleMania seventeen, <coughs> Jesus. <laughs> Bash at the beach ninety six, starcade eighty three, all in, and then he's got as an honorable <coughs> mention, Barely Legal ninety seven good weed over here. <laughs> Randy Osga, loyal listener to the show. His list includes I agree with Jesse, so that saves up. And I got to ask, J- yeah. Randy seems like a cheese pizza type guy. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he's okay if the cheese is burnt. Mm-hmm. Or like when he gets a vanilla shake, if it's double vanilla, is that cool or is that getting too spicy? Randy, we uh, need we need to know these things.
4: Yeah, you, know,
3: you have to ask him. I'm, I'm sure
4: Randy's flipping Joe's DM for that and let him know what's up. Chris Zouha, but no, it's
3: fake. <laughs> <laughs> always going to be Zoucha to me. Is he has WrestleMania three, Survivor Series ninety seven, WrestleMania fourteen, Bash at the Beach ninety six, and Barely Legal ninety seven. Yeah, you know
4: it's the second time that Survivor Series ninety seven uh, made that.
3: List, yeah what was on the survivor series 97
4: that was the infamous montreal crew job
3: oh jesus that
4: where, yeah that's where Bret hart got
3: <laughs> okay that makes a lot more sense now
4: yeah 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 so i mean i you know in, in retrospect too i mean it was very interesting because we knew Bret was leaving for wcw and like what a wild thing we knew and this, like, we have a future, obviously, uh, list we're going to be talking about. uh future episode for Fox 1 is Top Feud. And you'll see Brett and Michaels make that list a few times. And um, I got to say, like that, that pay-per-view and Brett and HBK, one thing about that time period, and I can see why it resonated with that pay-per-view, a lot of unpredictability. Because the lines definitely got blurred by then. And I don't think the lines have ever been blurred quite as well since Brett and HBK because of how authentic it was back then.
3: Very true. Now Benji Fido has a list, and I love
4: that name. Okay. He's got
3: WrestleMania <laughs> three, right and then on. I wrote down Survivor Series eighty seven, but I feel like it was ninety seven with the amount of votes that ninety has ninety seven has been getting. Well, wow, Survivor
4: Series eighty seven was the original,
3: so who knows? Okay, yeah, maybe. I, I didn't really ch- ch- double check these before I uh, we started recording, so it very right, well okay. could be. King of the Ring 98 is his third choice. And sure. then he only gave us four, and he rounded it out with SummerSlam 92.
4: Interesting. SummerSlam 92 with Wembley Stadium. That was uh, Bret Hart and the Bulldogs, famously. Bret, I'm fucked. I broke crack all night. That's a hit And uh, King of the Ring 98 makes it a second time, too. That is, by the way, if you're not remembering that one, is where Undertaker threw Mick Foley off the cell and he was broken in half.
3: (laughs) I actually knew that because when my brother sent me his list, Ah. he had originally sent me Wrestle Kingdom 14, which I'm like, that was this year? And he said the one with the Okada Omega match. So I'm like, all right, I think that's 11. And then I instantly messaged him back. Did you mean King of the Ring 96 and not 98? And he goes, Nah, 98, hell in the cell. And then I actually had to look it up, and I'm like, oh, wow, how'd that make it past me? (laughs) So, favorite of the show, Josh Dunn, got back to us at the 11th hour, and his (laughs) list is Bash at the Beach, 96, Wrestlepalooza, 98, WrestleMania, 6, Money in the Bank, 2011, and then he has All Out. I don't know if he meant all. In. I don't know if that was all in. I could have fucked that up.
4: Cool. Interesting list, nonetheless. Um, Mania that. Uh one of the famous memes in the history of wrestling we see to this day: uh, Hulk Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior, test of strength. Hogan, bow to the warrior, brother.
3: <laughs> and even though AJ is not here with us in person this week, he is in here. He's here with us in spirit, and we're giving him the uh, main event spot. He's Crazy. got WrestleMania 12, When Worlds mm. Collide, Bash at the Beach 96, WrestleMania 3, and I feel like we stole his thunder for this one, but Over the Edge 99 rounds out his top five.
4: Mm, okay. list. Uh, well, what do you got here? Who's uh, coming up the most on here? Obviously, Mania 3-1 and, and Bash at the Beach 96.
3: If we're going to pick between Mania 3 and 1, who do you want to give it to? We've already laid out the case for it. One was the big gamble. Three was that industry-changing main event. I'm going to give it to three just because, yeah, it's worth it to have that gamble, but then three is that gamble starting to pay off and being one of the bigger events they put on there.
4: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, they're probably going to have a hard time convincing me three wasn't the biggest pay per view ever. But let's uh, continue on. Three makes the list. All
3: right. We got, you said Bash at the Beach 96 on a lot of lists.
4: Sure, sure.
3: Uh, let's put Bash at the Beach 96 up against Starcade 83 because 83 popped up on a few lists.
4: You know what? Starrcade 83, that's the start of NWA wrestling. And boy, I look at that fondly, and those are some of my favorite memories. We also know how you
3: don't think that uh, Flair-Harley feud is shit, though.
4: No, 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 no. (laughs) I want to correct that. I didn't like that match at Stark 83. Flair-Harley could fucking go. Fucking dumbass Gene Kaninsky, who was probably drunk, stumbled all over the ring, screwed up that match. AJ agrees with me. We know what we're talking about. Don't you sully the good
3: know. goddamn name of Gene Kineski. Hey,
4: yeah, yeah, shit. Listen. Anyway, uh, but that being said, there's no argument with the numbers. Fast in the Beast 96, WCW, that's the most influential time in NWA last WCW history. That is the start of the NWA. It gets no bigger.
3: All right, so we got Starcade 83, WrestleMania 3.
4: Arcade 83.
3: I said fast at the P96. Oh, did you? Shit. That's,
4: that's what I'm saying. Look at another one, you jabroni.
3: <laughs> oh, that's why we shouldn't do this when I'm hungry, because
4: <laughs> we're all over the place. i like thinking about a sausage sandwich. Okay?
3: Also, email us if we forgot your list this week, because I feel like we left somebody out. Ooh. <laughs> it's going to be hard for this last one, because... Uh,
4: I don't know, ECW Barely Legal 97 made fun of you. That's
3: what I was looking at. Let's put Barely Legal 97 on there because mm-hmm. their first pay-per-view, that's a big move.
4: Yeah.
3: And I think...
4: Eric Bischoff Eric said that ECW was a uh, not even a pimple on a hamster's ass.
3: For the game. Oh, <laughs> somebody listened answer. to this week's 83 Weeks featuring TNA, yeah. Hard, Justice uh, Hard, Hard Justice 2010. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I believe
3: so. All right, so now it's not too hard to figure out who's going to be the first one gone in true 531 fashion.
4: Unfortunately, yes. The ECW, what does that? Now, it's an awesome brand. I'm not Eric Bischoff, but before we fucking say that, I'm, you know, quoting Eric here. But when you put it in the big scheme of things, it's definitely not as big as the other two pay per view.
3: Yeah, it's it's not as big as Bash at the Beach 96 or, like we talked about, WrestleMania 3. Yeah. So I, now, I go and what's that?
4: I gotta go. Mania three. It's the golden era. It's the biggest match of all time. I'm sorry.
3: I was gonna see if there was any debate to it, but there really isn't. I mean, both featured Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. but I mean, Hogan can only be so big at the end of his career. I think when you see him in WrestleMania three, that's when he's at like the height of, or starting yeah. to be at the height of his Hulkamania.
4: Yeah, Absolutely.
3: And Dave, you know what the music means. That means we have picked a top pay-per-view that has changed the industry. And I don't think it's a surprise to many people that it is WrestleMania 3 put on by the McMahon Dynasty. As always, get a hold of us on Twitter at fansworking, Working. Working Fans Wrestling Podcasts. Is that the Facebook page name? I'm pretty sure. We're up to almost a thousand people, so don't worry about the name. Just search Working Fans Podcast. WorkingFansPodcast.com. I botched that almost as bad as AJ. We'll see you guys next week. As Tracy Smother
0: says, you, you got to have a, a job to support your wrestling habit, you know? <laughs> this is Zay Steele, and you're listening to the Working Fans Podcast. Don't get worked.
2: All right, everybody! It's the Working Fans Podcast with the man they call Dave AJ Strange Brew, and today we have a special guest on. This gentleman has worked for promotions such as TNA, Ring of Honor, WWE. He's even trained a lot of wrestlers you might know: Cole Cabana, CM Punk, one of the all-time greats. Ladies and gentlemen, Mister Ace Steel. Ace, how are you today, sir?
0: I'm doing awesome. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm upright and not on the ground, so you can't complain about that. <laughs>
2: absolutely one of the things i wanted to ask you about was right from the get-go like who influenced like your style of wrestling i mean i know like well yeah yeah. tell us a little about like who trained you and stuff because you had some really good trainers from what i saw
0: so the trainers that say if you go on the wikipedia site and see are the people that i've you know come in contact with over the years the initial training started at windy city wrestling in chicago which at the time was on sports channel which sports channel was you know it was big shit back then for a kid out of high school i'm like you know where do i go and i turned on sports channel on friday nights and man there's this wrestling tv show when wrestling was hot like in the 80s you know and we're talking to windy city wrestling where paul Heyman booked for i don't know how long he really booked there but he booked for a short time he'd be responsible for the bam bam bigelow versus Terry gordy match the battle of the bam bams bringing brody in like stuff like that and of course the original midnight so it was when you look at it, just being Chicago-based, it was pretty top-notch. And they'd run the International Amphitheater, which was going back to the old days of wrestling in Chicago. So, a guy by the name of Sam DeSero ran the promotion. He was just a local guy that worked with a tag partner, Eli the Eliminator. You might remember as, what well, he was Eli the Eliminator in Texas for World Class. Yeah. Um, they, worked for, they worked for Dick the Bruiser, so it kind of spawned off Dick the Bruiser. And that's where this guy came from. And then he had what I... What I've come to find out, when I just think about it, is like, he just had a lot of enhancement guys that trained for him, which is what happens a lot, you know? Like, you need the mechanics in there helping guys out. So, that's where I started. Influence-wise, man, it was everything. Because, you you know, when I grew up and really started catching on, you know, I love the horsemen. I'm an NWA mark.
2: Nice.
0: I love everything NWA. You go back as far as the Georgia, you know, as far back in, in time, Anything I can watch that's incredible work, or then heart and Perfect, you know, I get caught on that when I'm in high school. So, you know, you, just all that type of stuff, whether that was exactly in my style or not, that's the type of wrestling I love. So, you know, and then you even love the Freebirds. Like I see the flamboyancy of guys. Like how do you mix that all in? You know. Guys like that back in those days, like, exactly, like old N.W.A. Crockett. A.W.A. I grew up on specifically, and there's a lot of characters in the
1: A.W.A. We're around the same age bracket. I'm 44, and this is A.J. And I grew up also on the N.W.A. I grew up on, obviously, a Little World Class, being on ESPN. AWA, and when I went down to train, similar to what you did, you saw it on TV. I went down and wrestled for a, a few years, but I trained with Adrian Street. And the reason why I found Adrian to train with at Skull Crushers was because I was flipping through Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and in the back of the magazine there you would have the different classified sections. So I went down and trained him, and I love Adrian to this day. But I should have went to Windy City because you guys turned out some of the best wrestlers in that time period, to be honest with you, for the independents and beyond. Oh, thank you. Well, I,
0: you know, his first bumps, Chris Daniels took with me, you know, which is an, I I just don't think about it. It's just, it's been so long, but for sure, his first bumps, and probably, if he recalls, and probably not, because he's had so many matches by this point, but one of the first first matches that he had to call in the ring was with me. I said, we'll just call it out there. You know, we, you know, what do you mean? You know, we're not, eh, we'll talk about a couple things, let's just go call it. I mean, that's always been my opinion. We we trained together, I know what you know. Let's just feel the people and go with it. And, no, we had quite a crew. I mean, a lot of guys came out of there that, you know, moved on to Puerto Rico, had a little bit of fame, didn't. Chris Daniels was the first independent superstar,
1: you know? Well, what I saw from Windy City Wrestling, and this is just obviously my opinion, but you guys were ahead of the curve. You, what you set up was very similar to what we see in the independence today where there is more matches with a higher skill level because when I was first breaking in, it was a lot of the WWE or old NWA guys trying to hold on for one more payday, which you can't blame them obviously, but you would get booked in a match to enhance them and that was basically the card. Whereas you guys had wonderful matches where you were seeing young talent with great skill sets and do you feel that you guys just were ahead of the curve on that? I think later on when we actually started the wrestling school, that's when
0: it clicked for us. Windy City had an element of what you're talking about exactly. The Iron Sheep was booked on shows against the champion. Ken Patera had come in, and I'm not... There's nothing disparaging about those guys. Those are the guys we need to learn from. But exactly what you're talking about, we got, you know, we had the tail end of Mr. Electricity Steve Regal, hell of a worker. he come in, he lived lived in Indiana, I want to say, and he would come up and work the champions and give those guys some grooming. And it wasn't until we started the school, and the reason we started the school was And it's no offense to the guys that trained me, but I knew at that point how to advance. I can train anyone as good as I was trained. I remember all that. Now here's all the things I've learned, and I need to excel. I want to get to that next level. So we started a school, mainly for our benefit, and then lo and behold, we had some great workers come along and spawn from that place. So, yeah, I I will go with that at the later stage that, yeah, we kind of somehow, it's just like anybody, like, oh, that's, that's the future right there. And just like anything that, that is the future. Those old guys, they hated us, you
2: know? One thing I noticed when you were working in TNA, it basically said, you know, you, I saw you in a tag team with CM Punk, but you had already helped train some of these guys. Were you having to, like, balance training and wrestling? Were you basically doing both at the same time? How did that work?
0: Balancing, definitely balancing. By the time I think that TNA thing came along, I think the school had dissolved. Because okay. the school really only lasted about three years, I believe. I'd have to really go back and look at time frame. Like, it's gotten more of a, a stamp of uh, just, like, the prestige it has, more than, you know, than it really lasted. I was actively training guys at probably around that time, or it, it dissolved. But we, excuse me, we would go out on the road. I mean, we were weekend warriors, so anytime we could get work, we were gone. We were going to Minnesota. We're hopping the car to do that, hopping in the car to do that, going to Ring of Honor. By that point, I think if Ring of Honor hadn't come along with, I'd have to look at D. You know, that's that's yeah, it was just constant, just constant busyness.
1: Yeah, I went through a similar thing wrestling for Yankee Pro Wrestling. I had uh, one night you'd be wrestling in Worcester, Mass, the next night you're on the Canadian border up in Maine wrestling and trying to get them both done in a double shot for the weekend and it can get a little tedious
0: sure oh indeed every i don't know what a weekend was like anytime i'd be home for i mean it was you were you drove everywhere so you drove until someone finally started flying you you drove 6 12 15 hours whatever it was and you drove back the same night to either catch a booking on the way home or to be home because we all had shoot jobs. So, I mean, mm. as Tracy Smothers says, you, you got to have a, a job to
2: support your wrestling
1: habit, you know? Sure. <laughs> one of the highlights of your career for us, and I, I hate to speak for Dave, but one of the highlights for us is definitely your time in Ring of Honor with the Second City Saints. You guys just Thank clicked you. and really brought it together. And you were able to have one of my favorite feuds against Dan Moff, and, um, was it BJ Whitmer? Yeah, BJ Whitmer. Yeah. And that feud oh, yeah. that you guys had was just absolutely tremendous. Oh, man. What a good time. What a good time. What a
0: blessing in disguise that it was that some real shady stuff went down, which is not good at all. But when Ring of Honor, when Ring of Honor was bad, in bad shape, and that's as far as I'm going to go with it, a lot of things look to be... You know, on the on the downfall for it, and we were able to pick it back up and keep moving. Which, hmm. which that whole time frame gave such a launch for guys like Delirious and Matt Seidel. and there's others I'm going to forget. Well, even Austin Aries and all those guys coming in because they were in the right spot at the right time. Because TNA pulled AJ Styles, they pulled Chris Daniels, I hmm. think at the time, and you name it, because they, they were able to still still work. TNA and Ring of Honor because Ring of Honor wasn't doing any real TV. It was all tape. It was all tape, just straight to tape or DVD. And Chris Daniels being pulled, opened up the prophecy to bring Dan Moff and B.J. Whitmer at the forefront with Kathy Carino or Allison Danger, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry for that, but uh, I got to cut a promo with Dusty. I I was going to say, say. I I recognize
2: some Dusty in there. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that.
1: (laughs) Uh, If there's anything I regret about my time is that I never got to work with Dusty ever.
0: Uh Oh, Oh, man. Oh, man. I wish. That is the only footage I have of anything with Dusty, but he had come down for Harley one time, probably a couple times, but the one time I I can recall, he ended up rolling into a battle royal. And I was mm. directing traffic, so I'm looking at guys that really don't know what the hell's what. And you know, I just said what a huge NWA fan I am, and I'm like, okay, guys, you stand there, you take these elbows, and when it's a <laughs> big one, you take the you take the flip flop and fly and bump 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 <laughs> bump. And a guy who I told to hit record on the video camera just screwed it up, um, and I gave him uh. hell forever that I I don't have that footage.
1: You know, mm. I, I think for guys I think for guys our age the. We all had that
2: dream of feeding ourselves to that elbow. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. I still talk about it, I just wish I had a photo of it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, those old-school, I mean, we're getting off on a different now, but that Dusty promo. No, that's all right. Ah, the Dusty promos were great. I was uh, talking about uh when I saw the Cody-Dustin uh Dustin match last year. I remember when Cody cut that promo about needing my brother. And immediately, before I even saw anything online, I'm thinking about the, you know, Iron Anderson was a walk-behind, her. I don't want you to beg some scum-sucking pig to be your partner. And I'm just, like, getting chills, because I hadn't bought into anything yeah. like that in a long time. But it was just growing up that fan of that Rhodes, you know those promos just hit me back I'm like damn it Cody <laughs> oh yeah yeah. Oh, yeah, that was amazing that was amazing and you can't find that anymore
0: I mean that's, that's, a, that's another side step that's a missing component of wrestling now getting somebody you know emotionally invested in stuff but uh, trailing back to the Ring of Honor stuff with yeah. Lapa Wimmer. actually mm-hmm. someone just posted on Twitter a fan mm-hmm. from a foreign country tagged me and it was Right where we had a Chicago street fight, which was the culmination of that feud, and we were slamming each other with plastic chairs like idiots. <laughs> no. But we did, we did the spot, we were hoping that the spot would occur where, you know, we emulate ECW where the chairs got tossed in the ring, and sure as shit, they, you know, they, they followed along as we fed the chairs in the ring. And it was just a beautiful sight to see. It's a beautiful sight to see. What a great end
1: to the feud. And once again, that's when you know that you've done it right. When you get the audience that vested, hmm. whether it's talking old NWA, the night where uh, Ric Flair and the uh, Horseman chained uh, Dusty into the cage and locked the cage and they were just attacking the cage, or whether the fans are throwing those chairs in the ring to follow it, when it's done right, it's just such an emotional burst of energy. Oh, so
0: amazing. So amazing. The end of that, with another great thing, and I'll, I post a picture usually every year on Steamboat's birthday, is that Ricky Steamboat was there. And he happened to be aligned with the Second City Saints for a while. Mm. Saints, sorry. I don't know why I said stains. The <laughs> Second City Saints. That's awful. <laughs> <laughs> Steamboat was back there, and he's watching us put this together. And we know we're going in for a street fight. You know, we know like we're we're popping aspirin and we're doing exactly what a wrestler does before he's gonna bleed. You know, Mm -hmm. now we don't bleed anymore, but you know, we know what to do. And Steamboat's just watching us. And this is not a Ricky Steamboat match. If you can find footage of him bleeding, maybe it's from the JPDT, I don't know, probably a couple of flare matches, but it's not in the norm that Ricky Steamboat bleeds. And I'm pretty sure we did a four way juice job. (laughs) When that match was over, he came up to us and he just looked at us. And I get goosebumps so thinking about it. He said, I knew when you guys were talking, you were putting something special together. That was, he's like, that was Thank just fucking God. great. Mm-hmm. And we were like, Ricky, St- we thought Ricky Steamboat was going to shit all over it.
2: Because, <laughs> you
0: know, it's, it's just going to be, it's, it's controlled chaos. A good brawl is controlled chaos. and it it came off it was was so awesome to to have that happen and to have Steamboat do that as well
2: yeah there is something uh, that is that's an element missing too I think a little bit as a fan is that that crazy brawl the Brody era and just like there was like even Hanson and Williams you don't see that physical brawl people just laying stuff in
1: well Dave you know we were talking about this beforehand and we are talking about some of the great moments in which you've had in your career and I think one that has to rise above it all <laughs> is the haircut from Eugene. Yeah.
2: <laughs> we were going to slip that in later, but all right. I just sorry. I saw I'm an opportunity. Right. We, <laughs> we want to know what, how they approached you about that and what were you thinking at the time, basically. Sure. Yeah.
0: So, to give you where I'm at in my career at that point, I'm down living in the middle of Missouri. I don't think, I'm not sure if I had bought the gym yet. No, I had. I had, used to own the gym next to Harley Race's wrestling school.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I would have been booked out by Harley for Japan. He was my liaison and my agent for so. So going to pro wrestling Noah, but also when the fed would come around, he asked me if I wanted to do tapings. I'm like, sure. Easy money. So I'd go up there, and all I really ever wanted to do was eat food and stay away from everyone, and <laughs> inevitably I'd end up wrestling because someone someone would know me and say, hey, put Ace in the match because he can work.
2: Man, <laughs> damn it, I just eat food. <laughs>
0: what happens this night is everyone that I'm with, and this is, I still have, like, the surfer hair at this point, everyone that I'm with is bald. Oh, t- Everyone oh. on this, like, they're, they're bald or shaved head, something. I'm the only one with a head of hair. Yeah. Johnny Ace walks up and like, oh, hey kid, you want you wanna make want make an extra uh two fifty? I'm like, Five hundred? For what? Well, we need someone to get their hair cut and do that gimmick. Oh man. Really? And so all I can think of at the time <laughs> is I'm gonna piss Harley off. And I, I believe I wanna say I couldn't call him. He was actually in Japan doing something for Noah. Mm. So I couldn't call him up and say, Boss man, they want me to cut my hair and he would and I'm sure it which comes later to find out. Why in the fuck did you do that? (laughs) (laughs) Why didn't you tell them no? I'm like, because I didn't want to piss you off or make you look bad. You wouldn't have made me look bad. Fuck them. And I'm like, well, sorry, dude. I cut my hair, and I have, there's pictures of me out there with black, spiky hair for a time. But so. I agree. I'm like, screw it. 500 bucks. Come on, let's let's put this together. 500 bucks for a haircut.
2: It's kind of a hair is gonna grow back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why not? Right. Yeah, it's that simple business. <laughs> yeah. uh, we have to give
1: well, you. Re- I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say we got to give you a compliment here because you're Johnny Ace and your Harley oh, yeah, impersonations. Harley. Holy Christ! <laughs> yeah. those are spot on. Yeah. <laughs> I sat
0: next to Harley for five years mm-hmm. talking to him. Every day. Anyway, anyway, Johnny Ace is kind of an easy one, though. Thank you. Thank you for that. I, I appreciate that. So, as, as it goes on for the day, I already know Regal. I, I've known Regal for probably a year or two at this point. And every time i see him backstage, we'd always bullshit. And he looks at me and goes, Ace. He's like, you're not going to let him do that, are you? And I'm like, cut my hair? Yeah. He's like, but, but that's like your thing, you know? And I do a terrible British guy. And I'm like, well... Sorry, I can't really do Regal. He's just soft-spoken. And I'm like, man, I, and I just told him I don't want to you know, mess this up. So the funny part about all this is I was a plant in the crowd. So they hand me a ticket, which gives me the seat where I go get picked out of the crowd. So I just sit there and go, fuck, I'm going to lose my hair. So I walk up and I grab a beer. I grab two beers and I slug them. <laughs> and I go down and I sit in my seat. I'm like, damn it! I gotta watch wrestling. I gotta watch the dark matches. I gotta watch everything until it's my segment. So I just sat there and drank beer until it was time. (laughs) (laughs) So they picked me out of the crowd. The other two were not plants; they were actual fans in Mm -hmm. the crowd. They were picked ahead of time, but they had no idea, you know, that I was. They they thought I was just a fan as well. They had no idea I was a wrestler. Mm -hmm. So the best, a great part about this story is Eugene is doing his gimmick where he is the quote-unquote special person. Sure. He works it to them, and they believe it. Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. So they've never seen Nick Dinsmore before. Wow. No.
0: And I'm like, that's wow. kind of, you know, if you, if you met Nick, you could, you know, depending on how he feels like working with you that day, you know, just talking to you, mm-hmm. you might go,
1: wow, is that part of a shoot? He's just a bit
0: of a loop, He's, you know. That's awesome. But he, works, he works it with these dudes. And, they're, and they, they legit turn around after he walks away, and, and Regal's acting like a handler, like "Okay, come on," and, <laughs> and walks him away. And the kid, the, these two dudes are like, "Oh man, I didn't realize he was like that." Jeez. And I'm oh. like, "Wow." we have found it right here. We got some believers. That must. So i let It's awesome.
1: That must have freaked them out when he finally comes to you.
0: Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was just amazing. Well, I you know they were kathed the whole time. Yeah. Even when they're brought to the back, they, they never knew, you know, I'm sure years later they had to figure it out, I would hope. <laughs> but that whole for that whole portion that I was around those guys, they were believers. They were believers because the one guy is the butler, one guy wears a dress, and of course I'm the haircut guy. See, what else do I remember about that day? Bischoff came up to me and he's like, hey, I understand you have, you have some experience. I said, yeah. He's like, I'm just going to sidekick you right in the chest. I'm like, I got gotcha. you. And they're like, don't take a wrestling bump. Do your best not to take a traditional bump. So I've watched it it before. I'm like, yeah, it looks fine. You know, I just (laughs) fell back. But I was like, yeah, you can blast me. I can take the shot. So what else? Uh, The only other memory I have of that is, of course, that I, I dropped Cabana's shoot name on TV. Oh,
1: jeez. So,
0: yeah, I called, it like, Regal knew it, too, because I was trying to pop Regal, and he's like, what's your name? And he goes, well, the first guy, the second guy gets to me, and you, sir, and they're like, haircut, and, you know, the crowd kind of roars because they're looking at my hair, and he goes, and what is your name? And I'm like, Scott Colton, and he knows who that <laughs> is, too, and he's like, nah, so,
2: uh,
0: <laughs> Good nice. stuff, man. Good Good stuff. Five hundred dollars payday
2: to get your haircut. Nothing wrong with that. Now you mentioned Harley and you did that great impression, and it reminds me of a story I heard recently when Rick had talked about after Harley's passing. Rick does this story I had never heard about where it talks about Harley's respect, and he's working in the ring with Andre, and Harley suplexes Andre, and Rick tells, I talked to him afterwards. He's like, "How did you get that spot?" And I guess, and I'll do my best. Race. He goes, "No, oh what do you right? mean? <laughs> I said suplex." <laughs> Which Rick is like, <laughs> "What?" <laughs> you know, Harley's like, how else would I do it? I called it, and I, I love that story so much, because obviously, nobody would just call something like that normally to Andre, I'm assuming, unless you're Harley. But right. so given that story, a little background about Harley, obviously, you worked with Harley so much. How, just any good stories with Harley? What was it like with Harley?
0: Harley was awesome. I actually met him, I lived, here's the funny thing about the, how this all comes about, I trained in Chicago, Got a shoot job that moved me to Kansas City for the mid 90s. So basically from so I lived there for five years, 93 to 98. Over the course of that time, I wrestled in St. Louis, anywhere I could around there. And really the reason I moved back to Chicago to start school was because I didn't have anything. I I was 25 years old and I had no wrestling. There's nothing happening around me. I was doing it once a month and I'm like, I need to do this all the time. So I happened to work a show in St. Louis and the local promoter, a guy named Steve Murphy, shout out to Mr. Murphy who has a bar in St. Louis if it's still up and running, called Murphy's. Hmm. He booked Harley, he would book old timers to come in. Like I got to work Bob Wharton Jr. a couple of times, which was just a blessing. And, but he booked Harley to do commentary and I popped Harley because I did the spot with the superplex, where you do the superplex, and when you land, the guy who took the bump cradles up, and he actually gets the pit on you. So I did the superplex, but the guy that, when I when we landed it, when I reached back, I cradled back, he cradled me, and got the pit, and Harley, you leans up like, holy shit, <laughs> you know? And so I met Harley once there, and then not long after that, Dave Marquez went and found Harley to start up the World World Legion Wrestling, which became the WLW, WLW World League Wrestling. So that's, so. bottom line is, I leave because nothing's happening. And as soon as I leave, within a year, World League Wrestling starts up. I'm like, well, that's some shit for timing. Mm. I ended up working for Harley because I wanted to go to Japan. And I worked a couple of shots for him. His, his crew came up to Illinois on the border. He needed a referee. We had trained a referee. And then I ended up getting on the show. And then he liked my work so much he said, send me some stuff or I'm going to, you know, start booking you. Well, I start working with him. You may have read this story somewhere, so I'll speak to it fast. Pump told it in the back of a WWF magazine with pictures, only I was omitted from the story. <laughs> <laughs> we, What happens is he gets booked for a show in Milwaukee. Harley does, and I'm trying to get to Japan. I haven't got to Japan yet. i sent my stuff. Nothing's happening. I tell the promoter, hey, let me pick him up. Let me, I, I don't mind. I actually had a bum knee at the time, so I could not work. I said, "Let me go pick Harley if he knows, and I'll, I'll cart him around." I got no problem doing this. Who gives a shit? I'm going to hang out with Harley all day. Why not, right? So I pick Harley up. We're having. We're BSing the whole day. This is. He actually has. It's a tournament that night for Mid American Wrestling, and in this match, he rests Punk and Cabana and actually takes a bump for them in the match. So before the match goes out, he's like, hold these for me. And he gives me all his rings from his giant paw hands. That are like two of my, one finger is two of my fingers. Mm. And I have all these rings on my hand. I look like such an idiot. I'm like, but I am not losing them because it's hardly shit. Match happens, it's over. This place happens to be, it's a a volleyball. It's, It's like an indoor volleyball thing. And then the rest of it, like it's half and half. It's a bar. So we go to the bar afterwards, obviously, and start having drinks. I send Harley a shot of the most rock gut whiskey you could ever think of. <laughs> it, it is brown. I don't know if some
2: stuff is floating in it. It's got to be awful. I said, give me your worst well shit there is. Uh. Send
0: it to him, tell him it's from Ace. He looks over, like somebody says, Ace. Hey, I look over and he drinks it, slams it down, and he waves me over, put, puts his finger up. Come here, you're drinking with me. Ah <laughs>
2: oh, shit. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs>
0: we proceed to do a few more shots and talk and then we hash out the whole Japanese thing. He's like, You're going for he's like, Don't go through anyone else. You're going through me. I said, Okay, boss, I gotcha. You know, wasn't quite my boss yet, but I said, All right, Harley. Well, we get so I, I'm I'm obliterated. I'm <laughs> too drunk to drive. I'm not I'm not going to. He obviously needs a ride. So <laughs> I go over to Punk and I go, dude, and Punk and I are roommates at this point, so we're we're pretty well joined at the hip. We do all kinds of shit together. Not you know, we're we're just buds. And I'm like, dude. And we drove separately, so I believe I had to drive we had to drive back to Wisconsin to get my car the next day. So we I said, Man, Harley wants to go to his hotel. There's no way I'm driving, I can't drive and of course Punk straight edge is like, I got you, bud, let's go. So we hop into Punk's new Monte Carlo. Brand new Monte Carlo dice silver. Harley's in the passenger seat. I'm in the back in the middle. Harley's talking to us. Mm. And the most god-awful noise comes out of Harley. Uh And we're like looking at each other. And then he proceeds to roll the window down. And and Punk's like, hey, you want me to stop? He goes, nope. (laughs) He doesn't let himself throw up. He just spits out the window. He (laughs) won't. His composure does not change.
2: Wow. <laughs> Boom!
0: Yeah. Boom! And we're like, I'm hit, am Like, I think it's hitting me. This is ridiculous. Go, 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 <laughs> so fucking go! But he, he doesn't move. You know, you guys are surely you know, everyone's in their life.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah, program, right? yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. Whether it be whether it be from a, a, just a sickness of a virus or you drink too much. Yeah. This man, (laughs) this man is a rock and doesn't move and just spits out the window and goes on with his dick. Oh, my God. (laughs) So fucking amazing. What a rock this guy was. And the end to that that story, which I don't think made the WWF magazine, was the next day, Puck goes to, you know, like a detail place to get his car washed, gets it washed, and some kid's wiping it up, and he goes, the kid's like, yeah, man, I don't know what that was in that door, but that was pretty hard to get out, but, you know, I did it. And I think Punk handed him like a twenty, and he goes, you "Watch, you watch wrestling?" I'm kind of like, "Yeah, man, I watch wrestling." He goes, "You know who Harley Racing?" Oh yeah, I know who he is. He's like, "Yeah, that was his puke he just cleaned up," <laughs> and then <laughs> hopped in the car and drove away.
2: That's awesome. It's <laughs> good stuff. Oh yeah. All right, so uh, we asked you about the haircut. We brought it to Harley. Let's bring it back uh, to another moment. <laughs> this was the other one I wanted to ask you about. It's the only other one we're going to ask you about. that's probably like I'm just curious how this came about. For those who don't know, okay. you played Donald Trump in a match against Rosie yeah, sure. O'Donnell. How did that come about? And what were you thinking at that time?
0: Let me state this before I tell you the story. This this is a great story. Okay. I spent my life being. Trying to be whether, you know, just at some point I wanted to be like, you know, Guerrero, Malenko, Benoit, those guys that went to Japan, like that model of a wrestler, right? I, I changed from a flamboyant guy wearing feathers at some point to a guy that was just, I mean, you know, your body's your business in wrestling. So I worked on the frame and then my look and then my work style just evolved to what it was, being a brawler, being just a solid, I just want to be a solid worker in a good hand. There's no mistaking that. Have your fundamentals, have your background, which gets me booked on this day. And I will will back this up just a quick sec to say, a year prior, Ted DiBiase had seen me work. And at that time, I looked as good as I could look, was working as good as I could work, was going to Japan in and out, uh, doing tours, working for Harley, working everywhere. And I couldn't get signed to save my life. Fast forward, about a year—not even. I don't even know if it was quite a year. Maybe a year and a half. I'd have to look at dates again. It's been too long. But I get a call from Supernova Mike Bucci, who I have a good rapport with, and says, "Hey Ace, he's like, uh, you'll never get. It's on Friday. You'll never guess what I have to book for Monday. What do you got?" He's like, "Well, I got a bunk. I, I got a book, a fake Rosie against a fake Trump on Monday night. Law. Mm-hmm. The, sh- the show we've been watching since." it's inception, yeah. I have to book this match. And I start laughing, and I'm like, and to put it in perspective, this is the height of The Apprentice, The, pre- the Apprentice is hot on TV, right. and he's got this, and Trump has just called Rosie O'Donnell all these derogatory terms, mm-hmm. and then they got this big feud happening on TV. It is hot shit, it's, you know. And I laugh, and I go, that's hilarious. I'm like, you know, I play Trump. And he goes, that's why I'm calling you. So, like, oh, really? <laughs> and he goes, do you have a tie? Do you have a suit? Yes. No, I don't have any of that shit. And boom, a I get everything I need. I show up on Monday night. I show up for Monday Night Raw. Fun fact: Pat Buck, who is now a producer at Ooh, WWE, yes. he in WrestlePro is where he he helps run with Brian Myers. He was the alternate Trump. Like they had to give two just in case. And Bucci was I was like he hired you had another guy and he's like I had to have two he's like I knew you were my guy I told this once on Cabana's podcast a long time ago but I'll fa- I'll kind of fast forward through this stuff but that's pretty much it like they walk in I see Michael Hayes I'm sitting in catering with a suit on and Michael Hayes and Sean Michaels walk in and uh, it's funny I never reminded Sean about this when I was at the PC I just I just never brought it up but he and Michaels walk in I see them looking around just stopped and they're like what do you think he looks like and I go Are you looking for a Trump and like yep and I'm like that's me and I look <laughs> nothing like Donald Trump right,
2: right.
0: and I'm like, ah, well, they're like well they'll, they'll put a wig on you and all this stuff and so we get in the ring and we go over some stuff and obviously if you if we watch it back the girl who did Rosie looks way more like Rosie than I knew at Trump <laughs> but I was the mechanic to keep you know I was the mechanic to be the glue to get this all together and think about this I told the story to the kids in the ring the other day I said think about this guys we had about 10 minutes on Monday Night Raw wrestlers don't get ten minutes on Monday Night Raw sometimes. That have worked there forever or want it this week. Yeah. Like you're, there, there are times when you have to fight. I have ten minutes on Monday Night Raw to get over the biggest, like the biggest farce, like that you could put on, where the crowd at the Scott Trade Center in St. Louis is chanting, "We want wrestling." You know, <laughs> you know. Like right? I'm sitting there going, "Oh my god, I'm, this is horrid." It's exactly what Vince wanted. It's exactly what Vince yeah. wanted. So.
1: Yeah, doing that in Use St. It. Louis is like doing that in Chicago or some of the other rabid wrestling cities where they're oh my god. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah! I was just like, oh my god, they hate it. So which is why at the end, if you watch it, one of the most important parts is when I waffle her with Fudgy the Whale, because <laughs> if you have a good, if you have good footage of it, you will hear that I cracked. I put it in, let's just step <laughs> I put it in. I've had the anxiety of, all oh, they hate this, they hate this. Well, I'm going to give him something good. And man, she took a cake.
1: Sometimes you just got to lay it in good. Now... Uh, To speak of something else that's kind of cool, we talked about, obviously, you teaching earlier on and what it was like for those three years, maybe, that Windy City had the school going. How much different was it to go down and coach in NXT last year and earlier this year and to go down there and work in the facilities that they have compared to, say, the wrestling schools that we went to when we were coming up?
0: Well, the world is different now. There's so many advances. I would even, go to say, look at the advances in weightlifting. I mean... All of us back in in the day just knew how to work out wow. like a bodybuilder yeah. that's not functional that's not functional for anything you do so i mean i i never heard of a deadlift until 10 years ago you know or you know it's, it's like I, I i can't do that my back is awful yeah but things like that so the advances in wrestling i mean at, at our school windy city didn't train us this way at our wrestling school the steel domain we had we would just run drills of drop downs and drop kicks and leap frogs and things and then wrestle a bit. But there weren't the rolls, there weren't the warm ups, there weren't the safety precautions taken that I learned at the PC that you take with workers that you train nowadays to keep, that, keep them functional, keep them that they could wrestle nightly. You know, you have trainers, you have all these things, all these precautions to keep your body healthy, all that you can. It's just, it's, a, it's an amazing place when it's up and running you know
1: it's not at the moment so yeah that's yeah warming up for us when we were going through it was running the ropes and taking your basic flat backs to make sure that you were hitting the mat right that's uh uh, it's incredible the
2: difference is so one of the things, one of the last things we want to ask you is basically with everything going on in the world now with COVID, how are you holding up? How are you keeping busy? What's going on these days?
0: Uh, what's going on these days? Uh, holding up just fine. You know, everybody gets cabin fever. I had cabin fever as well. Yeah. Uh, I start, I started training over at Pro Wrestling 2.0, which is here in Winter Park, Florida, which is in the Orlando area. Being out and about in the world, I'm wearing a mask like everybody else. I mean... Just following the rules. I like to go places. I like to go have a meal and drink a beer. Just now people are six foot away from you all around the bar and the eateries and the establishments and stuff like that. You know, just trying to keep safe. 2.0 is an awesome place. There's a lot of hungry kids there. It's it's run by a guy named Alex Porteau, who used to be, if you look back in the uh, the archives, he was the pug for a short time for WWF. Oh, yeah. But he's, uh yeah, he, uh, he started in the late 80s, so he got a a taste of the territories from USWA Global and coming down to Florida. He and I actually worked roughly about 20 years ago in the early 2000s, a failed promotion called WXO down here in Florida. But anyway, Alex has a great mind for the business, has always loved wrestling. He just likes to give back and have you know a good place for kids to work. Uh, we, we just came in contact together because of mutual people. I ran a seminar. He asked me to come down once a week to train. So it's fulfilling a need for me to like still get in the ring and still give information and work with these kids, you know, and that's a different set of kids as, as a, you know, as opposed to the PC, not that they weren't hungry as well. It's just, it's just a di- different set of kids to work with. So it's it's just awesome. So, I'm just staying busy with that, watching film, continue studying, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, my life, I, I just got married recently, which is awesome, Congrats. Congrats. I a great film. yeah, thank you very much, okay. I'm Florida-based now, I've been a Midwest guy my whole life, growing up in Chicago, we moved to Florida when I, I got the PC gig and started last year, it's just awesome, just reaping the benefits of, of life is good.
1: So, you know, I've got to ask you a personal question here, now, you're from Chicago, are you a baseball fan?
0: I'm a fair weathered sports fan altogether, but I know where this is
1: going. I just need to know Cubs or White Sox. <laughs> Cubs always. See, and the reason why I have to ask that is because we didn't know we have this rivalry. I am a lifelong St. Louis Cardinals fan.
4: Hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh,
2: you dirty oh.
0: Oh. You want the truth is that my wife, Lucy Mendez... God, this this is one of the things. This is probably the only thing
1: Oh, I tell can't me she's, about a her. Fan, <laughs> she's a Cardinals fan, please. She's a
0: freaking Cardinals fan, dude. Oh. She was trained by Harley. She's actually a wrestler. She was trained by Harley, and oh. she has an affinity. <laughs> for she, she, she has was, a St. Louis. She has yeah. a St. Louis tattoo, of course.
1: And she oh, is an oh. angel mm-hmm. because, like oh. I said, uh, I can't even tell you how big of a St. Louis Cardinals fan I am. That's uh, sounded like
2: she was going to shoot on you too for a minute. Yeah, she it. Ace, <laughs> we, are big, it?
1: we are big fans of yours, but we just became bigger fans of your wife. <laughs> <laughs> ah, son of a bitch.
2: <laughs> <laughs> she got over. <laughs> she, got over. <laughs> <laughs> she got over, yeah. It, man, always getting over on me.
1: But, you know. uh, <laughs> but hey, congratulations. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for taking the time for us. Is there anything that we can promote for you that we can bring to the fans? Yeah,
2: that's it. My Twitter
0: and my Instagram are at Aces of Steel. Just the way it sounds, Aces of Steel, you can find me on there. Facebook, I don't play with it too much, but there's an Ace steel and actually Lucy Bendez. We were, she was my valet at one point, or my manager, my wrestling manager at one point, so we just had it together. But the Aces of Steel, I'm gonna start, not only am I doing the training at 2.0, but I'm doing private sessions, coaching sessions, for people that wanna come in one-on-one and learn a bit more instead of a group setting where, you know, you're not able to focus on someone, so you can get a hold of me either on the Instagram or Twitter or message Pro Wrestling 2.0 in Florida. But the other thing, I have, I do have a Pro Wrestling Tee store, so there's there's A-Steel shirts out there. i got to think of some new ones. They've been kind of stagnant for a minute. There's some good ones. And uh, I'll throw this out there. Last year, what led up to me being at the PC is I helped co-produce the stunts for the Netflix film, the main event. On Netflix,
2: oh, yeah, yeah, very yeah. highly
0: rated. It's where the kid gets finds the magical mask and all that.
2: Mm-hmm. It's great,
0: great film, you know. Great little. It's like Home Alone with wrestling. And I helped put together the with the stunt coordinator last, uh, Laro uh, Deval, He's got a long name, Laro, <laughs> Laro Deval Chartrand, it's Hard to say. He's got the Fra- he's got the French name there, but but Lash himself, he's a legend. He's a legend in just doing stunts all the way around. He's worked on Walker Texas Ranger with Chuck Norris. Anyway, he welcomed me in. He and Paul Lazenby, who is another legend, was a stunt stunt double for Stone Cold. On a lot of his movies, we put together all the scenes, like the wrestling scenes that are there that you see. So it's it's a fun movie, so I'll just throw that out.
1: I gotta tell you, that's very impressive. Dave's actually watched it four times, which is incredible because he doesn't (laughs) have children.
2: Yeah, I'm just weird. <laughs> <I work.
0: laughs> the weirdness comes out. Well, yeah. one of you is weird. One of you is weird, and one of you has shitty sports taste. Yes. <laughs> <want>. <laughs> yes!
1: Nice shot. <laughs>